Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time and that whenever and wherever you happen to be in this colorful world with its colorful people and colorful lands, I hope that you never ever underestimate the power, the healing power of art, creating it and looking at it. I was thinking about this today and having a conversation with one of the listeners that listened to this show. And she was telling me, you know, I think that there's not really a lot of stories, you know, written uh, specifically for people that are neurodivergent and maybe art too, you know, like maybe that there could be some kind of a healing thing for people that, you know, have anxiety or, you know, are, uh, you know, have autism or whatever. And there must be, there should be some programs. And we start talking about it. And I told her that back when I broke my leg, now, when I first got to Detroit and I lived in Detroit for a year and a half, when I first got there with my kids, I broke my leg like the first fucking week. Oh my God. I was so mad. Broke my leg in two places. No insurance had to have surgery, like a five hour surgery. It was actually, no, it wasn't either. It was like a three and a half, three and a half hour surgery. Anyway, it was nuts. I was five months in a town in a damn cast and they wouldn't take off my cast. Cause why I didn't have insurance. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I literally had to get my cast wet and Oh, look, my cast is falling off. And they're like, well, what do you want us to do about it? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I need a new cast. Well, they have to give you a new cast. They just can't take off your old one. So as soon as they got my cast off, I'm like, I don't think I need it. Cause guess what? I had it for five months. <laughs> anyway, I was still in a wheelchair. I was still unable to walk. I still needed to go figure this crap out. And, um, it was, you know, while I was trying to get Obamacare trying, um, you know, to enroll and try to figure all that crap out. Cause when I was gone, Obamacare happened. I wasn't even in the States when all that happened. So I did it. And then it became a sudden requirement to have insurance. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't think about that. When we moved back to the States crap, you know? So I mean, I, I literally got there and I only had a couple inhalers on my person and I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God, how am I going to get my medicine? I might die here. I got really scared, you know? So I figured it all out. But while I was trying to relearn how to walk again with four metal rods in my leg. Um, <laughs> I would take my, um, wheelchair to the Detroit Institute of the arts. And when I did this, I was motivated because I love art. And when I first got there, I found out that Frida Kahlo's early art, her beginning art, the art that she began with, the art that she first created in Detroit while her husband 
was creating art for Henry Ford in Detroit and where she lost her first baby and recuperated at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit. And she decided in that bed, in that hospital, where I went to see my doctors, she actually decided, I want to be an, I want to be an artist too. I don't think I want to only just be a wife with, for my husband. I think I really want to, uh, be an artist as well. And thank God she did. I love Frida's art. And, um, she's one of my favorite artists. And so I moved to Detroit and find out, oh, about a month from now, Frida Kahlo and all of her art is going to be on display at the Detroit Institute of the Arts. So I took my kids over there. I could barely walk. (laughs) I was, oh man, I was in a wheelchair. It was horrible. And they, you know, were thrilled when I said, I want to join as a member. And they said, well, if you live here, it's free to get in, but you know, you got to wait. You can't, you know, come in here and see the Kahlo art display until like a couple weeks after it's been here in the member seat at first. I'm like, Oh baby, I'm going to be there on the first day. (laughs) So, and I did, we, we got an invitation and we were there on the first day. We saw Frida Kahlo on the first day. We weren't the first people to see the art. We were, you know, a couple hours after because I'm not a morning person. But I'm going to tell you, it was the art that got me up out of that wheelchair. It got me walking around again. I had um, crutches, you know, I I was trying to walk. And and, and they had the little, um, these little folding uh, chairs they're not really chairs they are kind of like little tiny benches and, and you carry them around. And if you need to sit or you'd like to sit with the art, they allow you to do it. So I would take my little chair, my kids would be walking all over the museum and come back and check on me. And I, um, at first I walked through the whole Kahlo exhibit and then I had to go sit down. Took me a long time to get downstairs, but we sat downstairs and ate lunch and then I got a second wind and came up and saw a little bit more of the museum and rested for a week or two and then we'd go back to the museum and see more and then we go back again and and we saw a bunch of exhibits and I got to expose my kids to some beautiful art they got to see their first Matisse they got to see their first Picasso they got to see uh, Native American art from the area. They got to see their first Van Gogh and their second and third Van Gogh and their second Picasso. And, um, I was like crying the whole time because art really moves me. I love looking at good art and I love Van Gogh. And, and I've talked about this on the show before where I was standing in front of Il Postino, the postman. And just to see like the detail and to be right there in front of it, knowing that I'm standing as close to this painting as Picasso himself when he painted it. And I sent so much love to the spirit 
of Pablo Picasso that he came and he stood behind me and he started to tell me why he decided to make certain brush strokes in a certain way and that they actually all had meaning to him and it was more than just throwing paint on a canvas for him it was putting his thoughts and emotions on the canvas and he knew that every stroke was special and he didn't know what he was painting for. He didn't even think about getting money for his art. He hoped he would, but he didn't expect anything. He grew quite disappointed in being an artist, but he still couldn't help himself. He loved to paint. And, um, I wasn't so moved by the Matisse, just to be honest. I was like, eh, I mean, sure. It's kind of interesting. But the Van Goghs, oh, man. I would really, um, oh, here we go. Someone's trying to uh, contact me. This is actually somebody who has some UFO information. Um, We met through a UFO posting, and he's got some really strange stuff going on in his house. I may have to have him as a guest on the show if he agrees. I'm not going to tell you guys who he is because he might like his privacy. But, um, but if he agrees, you're, you'll know who he is. Had to pause it for a minute and turn my, uh, <laughs> notifications off. Cause that might get annoying real quick. Cause this guy's writing me several things in a row. Interesting stuff. Wow. I can't wait to re- read this long message. He just sent me. Woo. <laughs> Ooh, I, I love it. He's, he's got some interesting information for sure. So, okay. Um, So anyway, yeah, I would sit with this art and there was even a Buddhist statue. I've talked about this before and it was from like a 4,000 year old temple in China, I believe maybe Thailand. I don't remember somewhere in Asia, but I sat with this Buddhist statue because the story, the legend goes, you know, the, the people who were the ones to achieve enlightenment were cast in bronze. And so this master, this Buddhist master, um, had his likeness cast in bronze. And I think, I think, and I might be remembering this wrong. I do remember that his ashes might've been used in the creation of the statue. And I felt him looking at me through the statue. And I also kind of felt him with me, just sitting with me. And he told me to sit in silence with him for a while. And I did. And I remember thinking, Oh, I would love to live with this art in my home for a month. I would love to bring the statue home and just sit and meditate with it for a while. And then have the art, you know, the DIA come and pick it up again. They do that. You know, there was a very wealthy couple who took a couple of the Van Goghs and loan, they were on loan. They were out on loan, like a lending library for wealthy people. But it was the art in this place, you guys, that got me up out of my wheelchair and walking around. And I did this for my exercise and it was my goal to see every piece of art in that place. And that place is pretty big, especially 
when you can't walk and you're in pain, it becomes extremely big. <laughs> Even if it's not all that big in reality, um, when you're in that kind of situation. So I took my kids and we, we loved to eat lunch there. It was expensive and there was a couple different restaurants inside the museum, but it was just special. It was like a special thing to do with my kids. And we really enjoyed it. The other place I went was the zoo, but honestly, the place I kept going back to went to the zoo a few times, but I went back and back and back. I became a member of the zoo. I became a member of the Detroit art Institute. I became a member of the symphony and that also was awesome and special. And I just wanted to get my kids into the idea of supporting and patronizing the arts the culture, the music, the musicians. I took them to the Detroit Jazz Festival, took them to the Detroit Pride uh, Parade and the Pride Fest. And we just, we were always doing stuff all over Detroit. That is such an incredible city. And um, it was the art though that really got me up and out of my house that motivated me to get up and go. I just, I, I had to go see that art. Once I found out there was Frida Kahlo, that's what got me there initially. Then I found out that there's Van Gogh's permanently. That's what kept me going. And it wasn't until I knew that the Van Gogh's were there that I decided I got to come here all the time. I was going to be a member, whether I just show up three times a year or not. But I told the kids they've got new displays every month. They've got new programs. Sometimes it's music, laser light shows. I mean, they've got some really cool stuff over there and every city, every major city has this kind of stuff. So I wanted to let you guys know that not only is art healing when you create it yourself, but also art can be extremely healing when you're trying to heal your body. It keeps you occupied on a mental level on an emotional level and on a spiritual level, you know, and it it keeps you out of your head. It keeps you out of your physical body. Sometimes when you see a piece of art that can touch your soul so deeply that you are stirred to emotion where you feel a certain, if it makes you feel something might make you angry. It might make you cry with, uh, sadness or sorrow. It might make you, um, weep with joy, whatever art can do to move you and motivate you. Maybe it might motivate you to be a better artist might make you motivated to make more money. So you could purchase more art for your home might motivate you to go to local galleries and buy from local artists to support the artists that are still with us. That's very important, you know, supporting our artists. But, um, I don't know. It was something about walking around that museum that really, it healed me and it made me want to push myself further and further. I did not want to get out of bed I didn't want to walk to the bathroom, let alone walk around anywhere. If it wasn't for that beautiful art gallery and seeing all those incredible art pieces. And I mean, there were, there were whole rooms full of art that I did not like. 
and I wanted to see all of them anyway. And I told my kids, I don't like this art. And they're like, yeah, this art sucks. I don't like this art at all. I'm like, well, let's make fun of it. Let's give it a stupid name that has nothing to do with the art. You know, the name of the art itself. Some of the art was horrible. You know, maybe it wasn't horrible, but it was just like, eh. You know, people would paint a dog that was ugly or, <laughs> or you know, like kids in a super stuffed up kind of stuffy, you know, kind of outfit that they didn't look comfortable in. You know, I mean, some of the, the and the kids weren't even cute or, you know, some of the kids were really ugly looking and, and we're probably pretty certain that the kids actually were not that ugly, but that the artist was pretty terrible <laughs> or the artist saw the kids in a really ugly light. I don't know. You know, and I mean, there were pictures of people that were drawn like, you know, my hated or despised mother-in-law, you know, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I think that wasn't actually name of a, of a art, piece of art, but some of the art was just like, uh, so we decided to make fun of it when no one was around. We kind of whisper snarky shit to each other and laugh our asses off and laugh with glee. Cause art can be fun like that. You don't have to take it seriously and ooh and on ah oh and intellectualize about oh the brush strokes this and the mood and the tone that it sets that it's not always about that sometimes it gives you a visceral reaction where you're like i fucking hate this piece of art this is terrible in some art you just look at it and you just burst out laughing you're like are they serious really that was the topic they chose how stupid or whoa this is the most boring piece of art i've ever seen what is more boring than this art? What would I rather be doing than this art kids? And then we would just list off 20 or 30 things I'd rather be doing. I'd rather be gaining a root canal than looking at this painting. I'd, ra- <laughs> I'd rather break my leg again than look at this painting another time. Like, and we would laugh our asses off. It was so funny because you, know? <laughs> you don't have to like all the art. It's not all for you. You know, it's for the individual, you know, for the individual, uh, you know, everyone has a whole different kind of art. You know, some people love art of ships on the sea in rough raging waters with, you know, horrible storms overhead. Some people like playful beach scenes. Some people cannot stand paintings of the, of the ocean. Like, my God, is there another topic? And some people love the ocean. Some people like, you know, pictures of old buildings and cobblestone streets. Some people like baskets and barrels of fruit. Oh my, I don't necessarily like that, but I like, I like art, you know, it's just, it's interesting the way people, you know, uh, draw or paint. Sometimes the, the, you know, the fruit looked weird or old or, ew, why is it so golden brown? Like, do they not eat their fruit? Did it take them that long to paint the, that they let the fruit go bad? Like, and sometimes it looks like a photograph. You're like, holy shit, that's an apple, but it's hyper realistic. It looks just like a photograph. My God, their art is incredible. It's on point. And the portraits, you know, why would they draw this person? This person looks like weird, you know, you know, look at that person's outfit. Like what, what were they thinking? Why did they wear that for the, you know, so, but you know, it makes you think it doesn't matter if you think something funny or different or you're laughing at it or making fun of it or, or if you love it, or if you just go, wow, the culture back then was really different. The culture from that country or that part of the world was way different. 
it doesn't matter as long as it gets you up and out of your seat or in my case up and out of my wheelchair and I'm not in a wheelchair anymore thank you God hopefully never again but boy oh boy it was really and truly my saving grace was that place the Detroit Institute of the Arts I'm probably going to write them a letter at some point probably handwritten letter you'll probably put in the newsletter or something because it's really um it's really moving it's really incredible now creating your own art that can definitely be something that is something that you know a lot of people think they can't do it well you know what You could put color on canvas, your favorite color. You can mix it with white to make it lighter. You can mix it with black to make it grayer or duller. You can learn how to mix colors in a few minutes on YouTube. You can uh, make abstract art. You don't have to make a perfect portrait of a person. You don't have to draw a damn poodle or a bowl of fruit, you know, (laughs) to some people that's exciting and amazing art and to other people that's just boring. Why would you draw that? You know, why not a cheetah in a tree or a, you know, a cat for Christ's sake. Sometimes people don't want to see dogs. Some people want to see cats. Other people don't like cats. They want a dog. Dogs are loyal. Dogs are faithful. And sometimes dogs are, are beautiful, especially if they bring back some really beautiful and happy memories of them, you know, painting your favorite pet. And then they, when they are gone, you've got this beautiful painting. I know a couple people that have paintings of their dogs. I have a friend who, um, had a painting of a horse that she had from a past life. There was a psychic visionary artist who used her psychic vision to paint people's pets from a past life and she did it for free for people she just the pets would come forward show themselves reveal themselves to her in a dream or in a vision and she would just make a portrait a little portrait like I don't know like 12 or 14 inches by you know 10 or 12 inches not a very big like slightly bigger than your average notebook and she would just give the portraits for free to the people that she knew and uh, she would put so much energy and love into these portraits that they would come alive with her energy she would do something I don't know what but the animals themselves their essence their soul their spirit would come through and I was walking by this horse portrait And I looked at it and it just kept grabbing my attention. I was in Reverend Marion Jones house and I might've told this story my first season, but I'll never forget it. I kept looking at it like there's something, I don't know what it is about this painting. And I was, it was in her kitchen and I walked by it. And when I walked by it, I swear to God, that horse whinnied at me. like that I was like oh my god I'm like I said to my husband I'm like Terrell 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 this painting just whinnied at me oh my god it's alive and he said yeah you're gonna find 
here in Marion's house. Things are animated here. <laughs> Things are alive here. <laughs> and uh, you might want to ask her about it, see what she says. And that's what she said. This is my horse from a past life and told me everything that I just told you guys. And she said, yeah, I talk to that horse all the time. And all the time that horse talks back to me and I can hear it. And it's pretty cool that you could hear it too. She says, I know I'm not crazy, but there are times when I question my sanity, when I hear the things in my house talking to me, but she doesn't want to be alone. So she had teddy bears and she made the teddy bears alive. And if you haven't heard that episode, go back to season one. It's like 30 minutes long. (laughs) I mean, it's not, I evolved into a two hour show, but back in the day, it was my first season, you know, six whole seasons ago. (laughs) It was just like a half hour, 30, 40 minute show. And oh my God, you guys, like she did. I mean, I, everything in her house spoke, but that piece of art with that horse, it whinnied at me. Oh my God. Oh my God. She had a picture of Nancy and Ronald Reagan. They used to attend her church. She was a reverend, an ordained minister, and she was their psychic advisor for years. They got another advisor by the time they were, well, they might've been the president. I think she might've been one of their psychic advisors while they were in the white house. Actually, she might've been one of them. They had several, they, she wasn't their astrologer, but she was one of their psychic advisors. And, and, um, you know, she was dear friends with them just because, you know, they showed up at her church. It was kind of crazy. Rod Serling used to go to her church as well in uh, California. And, um, there's a picture of Ronald Reagan. He was laughing so hard at a joke that he was slapping his leg and his foot was straight up in the air. And I told her, boy, I want that picture. I wish I had that picture because he was so happy and, and carefree. And that's how, um, Marion made people feel, you know, and, and that's how I felt in her house. Like, it just was like, Whoa, like everything is talking, everything is charmed. Everything is enchanted and magical. But that piece of art though, with that horse boy, that really got to me. I mean, there was a couple times I, I swear to God, I saw it move or shift position. I'm like, that's not the position I remember it being in earlier. <laughs> it was almost like being inside of the real Harry Potter world. <laughs> it was quite interesting for sure quite interesting indeed. (laughs) So I just wanted to let you guys know that art should never be underestimated in its ability and power to set off your wildest imaginations, bring to life your most incredible fantasies about your life in The movie, The Secret, if you've never seen it, please uh, go see it. There's probably, you know, several choices to see it for free on YouTube. Thesecret.com is where you go to pay the whole whopping $4 to see it. It's like $4.99. It's less than five bucks to see it online. If you want to buy it, it's only $20, you know, $4.95 for shipping or something like that. If you have Netflix, it's for free on Netflix. If you're already paying for Netflix anyway, I highly recommend seeing the movie, the secret. It might be on Gaia. I'm not sure. 
but go see the secret. There's a story in there about a man who could not find love. And Marie Diamond, a feng shui expert, had to go to his house and tell him why he can't find love. He's like, I don't know. I'm, I've looked in every area of my life. I, you know, I've gone to counseling. I'm a, a good person. You know, he was a Hollywood director and, and he's like, I, I, I got money. I've got love to give. I've got time, you know, I've got everything, but I don't have a woman. And so Marie Diamond's like, I'm a feng shui expert and I can help you. So she went to her, his house and every single piece of art in his house was pictures of women turning their back on him. <laughs> and she's like, well, that's why women aren't looking at you, honey. You are subconsciously impressing your mind and telling the universe you want women to turn away from you and have their back to you. He's like, but there's nothing more beautiful than a woman's back. And they were like with these veils and scarves and low cut dresses, looking at the musculature of a, of a woman in shape, you know, a woman's back. And she's like, well, where did you get all these paintings? I've never seen so many paintings like this. And he says, I painted them myself. And she's like, that's even worse. Oh my God. And so she instructed him to paint the romance of his dreams. And so he started painting these very romantic scenes of feeding a woman fruit on a picnic basket, being absolutely in love and looking into each other's eyes and holding hands and walking together arm in arm. And six months later, she ran into him in Paris of all places like, Oh my gosh, fancy seeing you here. And he was there with the love of his life. And he was planning on proposing to her because he painted her into his life. Never underestimate the power of art. (laughs) I can't stress it enough. It can heal you in a multitude of ways. When I, I've told this story maybe twice during my 830 some odd episodes I've done now, but there is in particular Uh, something that I've done to use art to heal people that didn't even know I was doing this. And I, I painted the Ho'oponopono process. I bought four canvases and a buttload of paint. (laughs) And I painted these four phrases. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And thank you. And I put them all along this huge wall I had in this apartment where I lived with my children and in this apartment, we, we liked being there. It was okay. As soon as I put this art on the wall though, we started feeling like fresh. The energy was fresh and we felt good. Like, wow, actually I like being here. People would come over and they didn't want to leave. I'm going to come over and stop by for an hour. Six hours later, they're still there. This, this uh, woman came over. She wanted to meet me on her way to her parents' house. And she said, do you mind if I spend the night here? I don't want to leave. I let your, your house feels so good. I feel refreshed. I feel like I can relax here. I feel like this is a healing energy. And you're, you're such a high vibratory person 
there's something such a high vibration. It was my art. It was me. Yes. And the art. Yes. But it was the feng shui of the art too. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And it healed the people on the other side. And I did tell that story recently. Um, maybe, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago or maybe a few months ago. I can't remember now about how the people, in fact, I just told somebody in person this story uh, recently as well, but the people were always uh, like the, it was the, um, a friend of ours and her little boys, they're very young. Her husband went to jail for something that he didn't do. It was something that the kids, the kid did. Um, he ended up killing a kitten. It was an accident. But animal abuse is obviously illegal and they didn't, they were kind of afraid somehow that the kid would end up being labeled or marked or I don't, I think they lied somehow. It was like a really strange story, but, um, the kid ended up drowning a kitten accidentally. He was saying he was going to give the cat a bath and the dad wasn't watching the, the boy when the mom was at the store something like that. It was like a very horrible tragedy, but the dad just went ahead and, you know, somehow a neighbor found out. I don't even know something weird happened. Anyway, the guy ended up going to jail for a couple months and, um, I met her in a domestic abuse, domestic violence shelter. And he might've actually been, you know, violent. I don't know what was going on, but the, the police were called. It was like a big deal. And anyway, we ended up being after the shelter, we ended up being next door neighbors and she was very sweet and very quiet. And her kids were holy terrors, just to be honest, but they were cute and they were trying and she was trying to be a good mom and pick up the pieces of her life and everything was trying to get back on track. And her husband was seeing a counselor while in jail. He was trying to become a better person too. They were all really trying and the mother (laughs) <laughs> was coming over and just starting shit constantly bickering and just being an all out bitch. I mean, I'm sorry to say, but she just was not helping at all anything. And she was just like, she would come over. I would hear her like knocking like that, like horrible, like, but like super loud and boom, 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 like super early at eight o'clock in the morning. And they would be like asleep till nine 30 or 10 in the morning if she wasn't there, you know, normal hours, we all kept the same hours and, you know, um, and sometimes my kids would play with their kids. Not very often. They were a lot younger than my kids, but, um, but you know, if, if, if her kids were out playing, my kids would kind of keep an eye out for them and make sure they were safe. And, um, and they were, they were pretty cute kids actually, but, um, uh, the mom would come over and she'd just start shit. And then it was like, bickering constantly. Well, when I put this art on the wall, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. The bickering got less and less. I noticed that the mother started coming over less and less. Then I noticed that the mother suddenly was very, very happy. And I saw her outside one day and I said, what's, you know, why are you so happy? And she said, I have a lover now. And her lover was half of her age. (laughs) I'm like, oh, well, that will do it, right? So there it is. So the I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. 
carried over to people visiting her on the other side of the wall where the art was. No one knew in their family that I put the art up on that wall to heal them. The dad came home from jail. The mother moved away. <laughs> and and they bickered at first. Da, 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 da. You know, he, you know the, 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 the husband and the wife. Then they worked their shit out and it took about three weeks. And all of a sudden he unraveled all of his tension and anxiety went away. And I would hear them putting music on and they would be dancing together. They would have romance, romantic times. She told me, oh my God, we've never been so happy. We don't know what happened, but it's like a miracle. And I'm like, well, I've been praying for you guys. I didn't tell her about the art though. And the kids were behaving better. The mother was not coming over anymore. She ended up getting a job. He ended up getting a job. They ended up moving to a better apartment across town. It's the art, the power of the art. I just, I cannot stress it enough. There's so many different kinds of art and so many ways in which it can heal you. Even if you take a marker right now and on four pieces of paper or even one piece of paper, write, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Maybe write your name, write the names of the people you love on that paper. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. The Ho'oponopono process doesn't have to be with paint. Doesn't have to be fancy. Could be if you want it to be, you could go buy the letters at, at Walmart or Michael's crafts and, and you know, that, that spelled these four phrases out and just put them around, you know, put them around your living room paint in the colors you want. You don't have to do canvases. You just do little, you know, little letters, do it in brass letters, you know, tack it up, you know, in your garage or something. It doesn't matter. Just try to do something, any kind of art or go visit a museum, go see the masters that created the pieces of art that moved people, moved them to giddiness and laugh, laughter, moved them to tears, moved them to a point of sorrow where they could heal one of their emotions that were repressed. It came to the surface as a result of this art. Art heals. Whether you make it yourself or you see it, art heals. You can even go on the internet and find art. Um, a lot of the famous artists, um, you can find, you know, just their art for free online. There's, you know, on, um, YouTube, of course, there's probably many videos of, of famous art. You can take free classes. Oh, whoops. I just dropped that. <laughs> I was slapping a mosquito. I didn't think you guys would hear that. Oh, dag it. Um, but anyway, I found, uh, art history classes for free on Coursera.org. If you don't know anything about art and you've always wanted to be an art snob, <laughs> why not? Go do that. Go do that. You could take um, an art class. You can take an art class on learning how to do art. You could see art techniques, interesting art techniques. I found some really amazing ones where people just pour paint onto the canvas and then they spray it with something and it separates out and it's all weird and gooey and strange. And then it runs off the canvas and it looks like something in outer space. It's so beautiful. 
And over the weekend, you guys, and this is art, but it's art using the sun as photography. I am absolutely obsessed with cyanotypes. If you've never heard of this, look it up. C-Y-A-N-O-T-Y-P-E-S. Cyanotypes. You uh, somehow soak the paper or the um, canvas or the fabric in this special solution and you put on top of it whatever you want to be the negative space like or like the white space like ferns or feathers or starfish or your hands your feet your boobs I don't know whatever <laughs> whatever you want you know the side of your face whatever you can even do it with photo- with a photograph and the sun will create an actual photograph in the canvas, in the fabric. It is one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen in my life. I was having all kinds of ideas. I was like, oh my God. I sent five or six of you have gotten these little messages from me going, look at this. Holy shit. Look at this one. Cyanotypes. Oh my God. Now, um, Ann Hillsborough, she actually said one of her friends used to do cyanotypes. And she said, yeah, they're lovely. And so she's seen them in person, but they're bright, like cobalt blue. And if you do it one pass a certain way, then they turn out kind of, um, brown and various beautiful greens, like malachite green. And then there's, and then you do it farther or deeper. Somehow it's blue, cobalt blue. So sometimes people stop the process early and then there's ways to set it like with salt and then you rinse it out in cold water. It, you know, when it's a fabric, but I saw it on a movie that this woman was making scarves and she was, she's, I haven't seen the rest of the movie. I only saw part of the movie. As soon as I heard this part, I stopped the movie and I started researching cyanotypes because I was really freaked out by it putting a photograph on fabric and then making it into a dress or a scarf or even a t-shirt or on an old pair of jeans if you've got a white pair of jeans or a white jean jacket and then you dye it blue with the cyanotype like the haunting hauntingly beautiful photographs that the sun itself creates oh my god it just it's touching me on a different level it's like like eerie. Some of these are eerie and beautiful and strange and just gorgeous, gorgeous. The colors of blues are so deep and rich and it's not paint at all. It's this weird solution in the sun, the sunlight. It's really, you guys have got to check it out. And if you hate the color blue, you might not like it, but if you love blue and it's a cyan blue, it's that very special. It's almost a cobalt, like the cobalt blue uh, glassware that was popular like 20 years ago. It's kind of like that color. Beautiful. God, it's so beautiful. But um, anyway, yeah, people are like selling it on Etsy and, you know, making money selling it because it's so pretty. It's so pretty. But yeah, I mean, I've seen, I saw it on jeans. I've seen it on Instagram. People are making purses, canvas bags, like, oh my God, 
I may end up selling cyanotypes if I can learn how to do it. Like this one lady was uh, putting the fabric out underneath her special trees in her yard and allowing the sunlight dappling, like the dappled light coming through the trees and the leaves. And she threw some branches down on the fabric and the photographs are coming out are like, oh my God, it's just so natural and beautiful. And nature is creating the art. There's like this connection to the sun and connection to nature. And that seems and feels very healing to me. And blue is related to the throat chakra. So there's that. I mean, you could combine cyanotyping with the Ho'oponopono process. What if you spelled it out? I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. With branches of a tree, you know, um, or matchsticks or something, you know, I'm just, there's just something about this that's grabbing me on another level, you know, toothpicks, even, you know, feathers, rocks, there's just something special and I, I and magical. And I wanted to share this with you guys. Some of these art ideas are just, you could press the fabric with something like a penny or whatever between two pieces of glass and there's petals and flowers and leaves and, and it comes out looking like a photograph, almost like a photographic negative, but it's blue and white. Oh my God. Anyway, I can't say enough about it. It's just too, too strange and too interesting. And art will move you. It will move you to action. It will move you up out of your wheelchair. It will heal your body, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. And I just felt like talking about art today. All right, so let's get going um, to space weather <laughs> dot com. We'll see what's going on today with that. So the current solar wind speed is 547.2 kilometers per second. There was a surprise geomagnetic storm reaching Earth. Ooh, yeah, I, I did see this. Uh, over the weekend, um, it happened yesterday. And by the way, it's eight, eight Lionsgate. Woohoo. Uh, you got to pray. And if you get this late, that's okay too. You have until the 12th from July 26th through August 12th is the Lionsgate portal. I, I don't know much about it. I, it, someone started talking about it a few years ago and it caught on. And next thing you know, everyone knows about it, but it's, a manifestation gateway and, and, you know, for anything you want in your life, money, love, better looks, a better job, you know, entrance into your favorite university or city college, community college, whatever you want, whatever you need, whatever you want, health for yourself, health for your cat, health for your ferret or your parrot, (laughs) you know, your grandmother, you know, whatever, better relationship with your mom, you know, whatever. This is the time to manifest all of your beautiful wishes. Um, It's Knowledge Ravenspell's birthday this week. I don't know quite what I'm going to buy her yet, but I have to give her a little birthday gift and tell her happy birthday, kitty. (laughs) She's been very sweet 
She went and caught a lizard last week and left half of it for me. <laughs> she likes to share. She eats the arms and the tail off now. Before she's eating the whole thing and then leaving the tail. Now she's eating the tail and the limbs and leaving the torso for me. Oh, joy. So sweet. Um, I wouldn't know what it tastes like. I can't say the lizard tastes sweet. But my cat is a darling for doing this. Over the weekend, she laid on my pillow and she faced me. Usually she wants to be the little spoon and she puts her back to me and I put my arm around her. And uh, a couple of nights ago, she actually faced me on the pillow and just laid there and purred at me and stared into my eyes and then pet my face with her paw several times before she became the little spoon and made me put my arm around her and cuddle her. And then she puts her little paws in my hand and that's my knowledge raven spell report she's been very sweet very good girl when she goes outside and i call her she comes running like a doggy you know she's just very um responsive and very sweet very loving so she's my best friend she's my little bestie so for those of you who have asked about her how's the cat doing that's how she's doing all right so here we go spaceweather.com we'll get back to this so as Oh, it says all of the sunspots are stable magnetic fields. They pose very little threat for strong flares, which is good. We have one, two, three, four, five facing us right now. Gorgeous geomagnetic storm photos. Oh my God. Uh, lavender and purple and red, kind of magenta and greenish, yellowish hues. So beautiful. So, so beautiful. Uh, I did notice over the weekend we had a red sky and a purple sky. That was the energy I noticed coming in. Uh, the man who um, told me that he is the devil in a body contacted me over the weekend and he said, someone has taken over hell. <laughs> um, he's like, I need to get back and, and figure this out. There's some people in hell that don't belong there. Some people in heaven that don't belong there hell has broken loose <laughs> so if you think you're having a bad day imagine you're the prince of darkness and you can't get back to your throne so um if you feel like praying for the devil this is insane but for me to ask that don't pray to him but you might ask god to show some mercy because he wants to get back there he says um there's someone over there giving people deals left and right to hollywood types that don't really belong there don't have any talent and they're getting famous and they shouldn't and some bad things are going down and he's gonna go fix it <laughs> I don't know it sounds crazy but that's what he told me but he said one of the reasons the sky is so crazy in his opinion I think it's because we're moving into the fifth dimension he thinks it's because these people in hell are that's why the sky turns red sometimes so let's pray that everything gets back to normal the way God intended. That will make it safe for us, right? Let's pray that way. Let's make everything the way God intended. <laughs> and let's all move to the fifth dimension quick, right? All right, so we're on sunspot number 63. Sorry, that was like a really strange tangent, but something's been on my mind when I saw this crazy looking sky. So, um, all right, a volcano overcast by electric blue Noctilucent clouds. Whoa, this is a really crazy picture, too. Y'all want to see this, I'm sure of it, in the Reykjanes Peninsula. I've Iceland 
is the name of an account on Instagram. I highly recommend it. If you like looking at volcanic imagery, like movies of the volcanoes exploding and oh, it's so crazy. I love it. I love it so much. This is a strange, uh, strange place to live. I like the strange stuff that takes place here. I have a lot of nature accounts that I follow. Ulu neutron counts are elevated today. They have gone down though by negative 1.3% and we're now only at 1.9% of the space age average as far as the neutron radiation reaching us, the cosmic radiation from outer space reaching us. Solar wind flowing from the equatorial coronal hole should be reaching Earth tomorrow, August 9th and 10th. And it might be starting right now, actually. I am starting to feel kind of a second wind energy, and that's usually what I feel like when, I mean, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I really should have done this earlier. The time went really, really fast for me today. So I don't know. I don't know. I did go get my laundry and did a lot of exercise, walked with a massive bag of laundry, because there's a brand new taxi driver who insisted on waiting for me and he wasn't going to charge me any more money. And I'm like, what a sweetheart. And the car was so damned comfortable. And I went and I did a few errands and I dropped the stuff off in his car and he just waited for me. I was like, Oh my God, what a sweet guy. He moved from another city and I ended up giving him a dollar tip on top of the taxi fare because he was waiting for so he didn't go anywhere he didn't make any extra stops he went one place stopped and then went back because he he didn't know if he was going to find someone because there's so many taxis you know if he's you know does he have to return you know without money without being paid all no just wait for me so i bought chicken and i bought fries and a salad and i got extra chicken and knowledge and i just chowed down on some good roasted chicken not even fried just Broaster, roasted chicken. It was good. That's another part of her Raven Spell report. And uh, I carried my massive bag of laundry. It was a lot. It was so heavy. And I had to carry it for four blocks. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but it was a lot. And heavy, heavy, heavy clothes. Um, my heaviest, like coats and stuff. And um, so I got my workout. I'm feeling it. <laughs> So I'm kind of tired today. I think that might be why I was a little bit dragging all day and didn't start this early. I wanted to start this 12 hours ago and too many people needed me, needed to talk. And a lot of people having problems. So just pray for the world, pray for yourselves, pray for your neighbors, pray for your family members, guys. It's, it's, it's a lot right now. The energy, just keep a positive smile on your face and everything's going to be okay. If you have any diseases you want to reverse, I found a new way to do that. Uh, Write me on Instagram at mermaidgirl888 and I will send you the video. It's 15 minutes long talking about working with the chi energy. You might enjoy hearing about that. All right. According to All Sky Fireball Network and NASA's All Sky Cameras over the United States, uh, today there were 51 fireballs, 27 sporadic, 22 perseids, 2 Delta Aquarids. It's not lost to me that that's 222. So either 222 or 22 might be your angel number if it keeps coming up for you. All right. So now we go to. 
the Schumann Resonance Frequency News from DisclosureNews.it, which is out of Italy. And the big, big power uh, today was 38. That's uh, in a lot of radio silence in between the little bursts. Uh, three of them looked kind of small and then the big 38 in the middle there. And then after that, radio silence, complete blackout. So that's interesting. Uh, lots of energy. When when it's high like that in Italy, it's high other places. And normally it is 7.83 hertz frequency. That is the baseline. So 38, that is significant. And uh, let's see, when we go to heartmouth.org. Uh, let's see what we have for the Schumann Resonance News. All right. Um, I'm so glad that they actually have it today because remember the last three days of last week, they just didn't. It, it was crazy. Uh, right, I'm trying to go to the seven-day forecast, what's happened in seven days instead of the past 28 days. It's a little bit more accurate. Here we go. All right. At the 2300 hour on Saturday, August 6th, California was at 177 hertz frequency. Lithuania was at 196 hertz frequency. Alberta, Canada was at 284 hertz frequency. And it was zero hertz frequency in Hafuf, Saudi Arabia, Northland, New Zealand, and Halului, South Africa. All right, guys, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we are going to be reading the next installment of the Aquarian Gospel of Jesus the Christ by Levi Dowling. This is a 111-year-old manuscript. We're going to check it out tonight. This is the Akashic Records of Jesus, Yeshua. And we're going to see, I'm going to use uh, muscle testing, asking Prime Creator and Jesus directly as well as a pendulum if I need to, to see what's real in this book and what is not. That's why it's taking so long, because I'm going line by line to see what's real and what's not. I want to get you guys the most accurate information possible. All right, guys, I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this itty-bitty musical ditty. Before we get into it, I would like to dedicate this episode to Olivia Newton-John, who passed away, uh, well now, yesterday. I loved her dearly. She um, was a huge part of my childhood, actually. I loved her music and Greece, of course. I bought the book when I was in, I think it was like fifth or sixth grade, I bought the book of Greece. It was a pictorial of the entire movie with every line. And I memorized the entire thing. And I was told I was too young to see the movie, but they bought me the book anyway. I don't think they knew. They thought it was just, you know, a book with words as opposed to <laughs> the picture of her making out with Danny Zuko. <laughs> oh, good God, John Travolta. What a cutie he is, too. 
Anyway, I just, man, I loved both of them. Olivia Newton-John, she was bisexual. She was out loud and proud in the community and also so beautiful, so talented and so smart. And I uh, have prayed, you know, she lived with breast cancer for 30 years and I prayed for her well, for about 30 years. And, um, well, there she is receiving her glory day in heaven. Muscle testing says, yes, she's in heaven. Glad. Okay. (laughs) Glad I called that one anyway. Uh, yeah, so it's all, it's all good, you know, but I, I wanted to dedicate, you know, this, um, episode to her. So something, some small token of my love and affection for her. And, uh, yeah, just ask that if you feel like it, if you feel called to pray for her family members and friends and loved ones, including uh, John Travolta, by the way, people who are affected by her loss that really loved her, um, you know, go ahead and do that. Also, if you wanted to pray for my, my cat, <laughs> um, she, uh, it's like four in the morning now. It's like been three hours since I ended the first half of the show. And, uh, my cat has been sneezing and she's thrown up a couple times. And if she's not better by tomorrow, I'm going to have to take her into the veterinarian to get a little checkup. I think she's going to be okay, but she was, um, up in the place where the pigeons are in the roof. And I told her not to go up there that she was going to get a bath the second she gets in the house if she goes up there. And, well, she forgot my words when she thought, ooh, pigeons, you know, junk food of the bird world. (laughs) It's like, you know, eating Doritos for a cat to try to eat a pigeon. And anyway, she was up there and she fell asleep up there. And God only knows what she might have breathed in up there. Ugh, so gross. They're such dirty birds. Smart birds, but they're dirty. Anyway, um, I think she's going to be okay, but knock on wood, she'll be all right. But, you know, between the cat and, and also my eyesight was horrible for like two and a half, almost three hours. Every time I sat here trying to look at the, um, book. I couldn't see it with or without the broken glasses that the, um, hellbound evil spirits knocked off my face last week and broke. I was having a hard time, uh, seeing this. I mean, you know, it's the gateway of abundance. They said, pray and manifest your wildest dreams during Lion's Gate portal, they said. Everything would be wonderful, they said. <laughs> uh, and I'm just sitting here with all kinds of crazy ascension symptoms. Cold, it's so cold in here, and my eyesight went down really badly. And I just suddenly got, I don't know what, in my eye. Just um, the goo that sometimes happens, like the Sandman came and sprinkled it in my eyes and I couldn't see and my eyes are dry with this weird goo and I don't even know it just like happened out of nowhere I started having horrible allergies 
it might just be whatever the hell was on the cat. And I, I, I did give her a bath the minute she got in the house. I didn't hold her first. I didn't nothing, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe she laid on dust. She gets into some wild places here, even in the apartment that I can't clean. I can't get to anyway. Um, that's what's going on. (laughs) Um, the man who is the devil in, you know, inside a human form right now, he and I've been talking for a couple hours and he's not been living from the evil side of himself at all. He's been living from the good side and he discovered that people don't respect the good. They fear the evil and therefore respect it. And he's trying to figure out how to respect or how to gain respect from a level of love and nothing more. And he's like, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying not to be evil. I'm trying not to be bad. I'm not attached to that right now. And he recognizes it's hard to live on earth when you're a good person. People take advantage of you. They don't say thank you. They don't respect you. They don't do anything for you. know we can all relate to that right it's kind of crazy anyway I'm sending him love and light and waffles he wants waffles and he's hungry he hasn't eaten in a couple days if it's in your heart to pray for the devil sympathy for the devil (laughs) one of my favorite songs actually but um ask God if it's in the grand design and plan to send the physical body inhabiting the devil right now. He's had some things stolen from him. So he can't get back to hell. So he could restore order to this world and um, clean up all the evil spirits that are roaming around the planet. And that's what he's trying to do. I'm trying to help him. You know, I've sent some souls to hell. That's why, and that, that makes sense. That's why I'm having to have all these evil souls showing up randomly and when I open up a portal it's directly to help because they're so bad (laughs) they're not like kind of in the middle having to make their they don't have free will choice they're that bad they don't have the choice to make themselves you know decide whether or not you know maybe I have to come back five more lifetimes or maybe I'm good enough to go in heaven but maybe or maybe I need karma or you know these are souls that have to go to hell because they have no consciousness beyond evil deeds. These are the kind of souls running around. We need to clean it up. Anyway, it's just, it's a celestial problem. I shouldn't bother you guys with it, but it's just, <clears throat> you know, when you're a celestial living in a human form, life gets quite frustrating. Anyway, he and I had a really decent talk and he helped me remind, reminded me of a few things and, you know, I told him, you can have my friendship and my love, but never my soul. <laughs> He's like, good to know. <laughs> and he didn't say LOL. <sighs> After all, he's the devil. <laughs> it's one of those darn sort of things, I guess. But 
And I told him I'd help him if I, you know, if I ever came into some money, I'd just send him some money. Cause I mean, homeboy's not eating. It's not a good position to be in. So I'll pray for him guys. If you uh, feel it in your heart, if you don't, that's cool too. Just ask God to bless you and everything. And I had him withdraw evil spirits from about four or five people's homes. So I was doing some work, just not the podcast work. I'm doing celestial business, uh, basically. Ugh, life is really odd for me. All right. Levi Dowling and his girlfriend checked into the Akashic Records and embellished quite a bit. I think it's either from their own head or their own religion or their own whatever. It wasn't totally the Akashic Records they were reading. I think sometimes they're reading from inside their own wannabe-ness. Last week they said that um, one of the women started randomly singing a hymn that she made up on the spot (laughs) about all the things that haven't happened yet. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's true. You know, talking about what's going to happen with Jesus and the rock rolling away and them finding his body, but it's not there. Like, it hasn't happened yet. Jesus is still alive in this story. (laughs) It's like, you all got a little too overzealous with the religion and couldn't see past that to see the Akashic Records. I thought that was a little strange, but hey, you know. It is what it is. But, um, so yeah, there we go. All right, I'm going to go ahead and start with chapter 154. We're getting close to the end. Hopefully this season will be the end of it and we can uh, start a brand new book, maybe a different, totally different topic that doesn't touch so much on religion because I'm not a religious person. Yeah, I work for God directly, but outside of religion. I am a Muslim, actually, but um, I prefer spirituality over religion any day. Although I like Islam quite a bit. All right, chapter 154, that's where we're at. Jesus teaches in the temple court the parable of the householder and the wicked husbandman. That's a fun word, husband, like husband. Then men, M-E-N. So I guess those are men that are married. Are they gay men? Wicked husband men. Well, we'll find out. I don't think it means they're gay. I don't. That's weird. Wicked husband men. Men that are husbands with each other or with other people. I don't know. Gay wedding is in my mind. I just watched uncoupled oh my god i love it it's a new uh neil patrick harris where his boyfriend of 17 years walks out on him it's great it's funny funny show and there was a gay wedding in one of the episodes so i just i just started i i just finished watching it great Great first season. Woo, baby. I like this show. Anyway, so I'm here. Wicked husbandmen. They were just making a joke about 
it was a gay joke and about men being husbands. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's like literally 10 minutes ago. So that's kind of odd. Um, all right. Anyway, parable of the marriage feast and the guest without a wedding robe. Uh, guests wear wedding robes in the days of Jesus. That's odd. You guys find that odd? Maybe they mean like a thobe, you know, like from where men wearing like those long dresses. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, we're just going to go ahead and read it and we'll figure it out when we get there. The multitudes would hear what Jesus had to say. And so they built a platform in the temple court and Jesus stood upon the place and taught. He spoke in parables. He said, a man possessed a vast estate. He planted out a vineyard, placed a hedge about it, built a tower, installed the press for making wine. He placed his vineyard in the hands of husbandmen, and then he journeyed to a distant land. So, wait a minute. Okay, I'm getting something. God is like telling me to connect the dots. He's like, He's like, husbandry, connect the dots. (laughs) Oh my God. Now God is being a gay, sarcastic man. Great. All right. (laughs) He placed his vineyard in the hands of husbandmen. God's telling me, basically in this context, it's men who are married to their job as vineyard workers. That's what God just told me. So there you go. All right. All right, cool. (laughs) All right. So he placed his vineyard in the hands of husbandmen, and then he journeyed to a distant land. Now, in the vintage time, the man sent forth a servant to receive and bring to him his portion of the fruitage of the vines. Uh, You mean the grapes? fruitage of the vine bring forth the fruitage of the vine it's a grape dude and something else just occurred to me the vintage time I guess that means when the grapes are ready but when we say something is old we call it vintage so many cool things in this sentence but we have to move on the husband men came forth and beat the man laid 40 lashes on his back and cast him out beyond the vineyard gate. Um, that took a, a, a really bad turn out of nowhere. Oh, wait, this is one of Jesus's parables. <laughs> His stuff always takes a really dark turn out of freaking nowhere. He had such a weird, weird way of teaching. I love him, but man, he's dark. He goes dark fast. So it doesn't even say why it just says like, so he, so the husband men are in charge of the vineyard and the guy took off. And then when it was time for the vintage, whatever that really means, I think it's when the fruit is ready. He sent a servant to receive and bring him his portion of the fruitage of the vines. But the husbandmen came forth and beat the man, 
laying 40 lashes on his back. So they're whipping the guy and they cast him out beyond the gate. And then the owner sent another man to bring him his own. The husbandman laid hold of him and sorely wounded him, casting him out from the vineyard, leaving him half dead beside the way. What the fuck is wrong with these husbandmen? I think they need to start drinking the wine and lay off. You know, just relax. You know, just chill a little bit. The owner sent another man to bring him his own. The husbandman seized hold of him. And with a javelin, they pierced his heart, buried him deep beyond the hedge. The owner was aggrieved. He thought within himself, what should I do? They said, well, this will I do. My only son is here and I will send him to the husbandman. They surely will respect my son and send me what is mine. He sent his son. The husbandmen took counsel with themselves. They said, this is the only heir to all this wealth. And if we take his life, the vast inheritance is ours. Whoa. Dark turn turned darker. Shit. They took his life and cast him out beyond the vineyard hedge. The days will come. The owner will return to reckon with the husbandmen and he will seize them every one and cast them into scorching fires where they shall stay until they pay the debts. They owe. wait a minute. Wait, wait. Oh, hold up. He can send them into hell because I don't know of any scorching fires that they could just like hang out in, get themselves, ooh, ooh, ouch, scorched for a while until they pay their debts. Um, okay, okay, okay. I'd like to be connected with Yeshua. Brother, are you with me? He says, yep, I'm reading it right alongside of you. All right, so uh, did you say this? He says, no, I did not. So this sounds like they are throwing in their hellfire and damnation crap. He says, yes, they did do that. All right. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. It's so crazy. Let's continue to read it. Um, Did you even say this story? He says, yeah, I did. But they made it a lot darker than even I had it. (laughs) So you admit it was a little dark. He says, yeah, sister, it was a little dark, but the people needed something to hear that was very strong. Otherwise, they wouldn't take it seriously. He said they were stubborn. (laughs) I didn't want to listen, and they weren't used to this kind of parable, and that's what made them listen, basically. All right. Um... Okay, so the owner will place his vineyard in the care of honest men. Then turning to the priests and scribes, he said, Did not your prophet say, The stone the builders cast away become the capstone of the arch? Uh, You men who pose as men of God, as husbandmen. Whoa, husbandmen are supposed to be like men of God? Oh, no, he's saying this to the crowd. All right, never mind. Lo, you have stoned and killed the messengers of God, his prophets and his seers. And now you seek to slay his son. Oh, 
Oh, I see where this is going now. Uh, uh, Prime Creator, did Yeshua say this? No. Jesus, did you say this? No. Did you say the messengers gods, and but not to slay his son? So yeah, Jesus didn't call himself God's son in this instance. I felt a little twinge of, uh-uh, that's not true, in my stomach, kind of in between my stomach and my heart chakra this time. I felt like a little, ooh, no, that's not right. But I feel it in my body. I just know if it's right or not. And then I have to ask and double ask and triple ask, but yeah. I tell you men, the kingdom shall be snatched away from you and shall be given unto people who are not a people now and to a nation that is not a nation now. Whoa. Yeshua, did you say that? And you knew it. And you knew that Israel was going to be something. Yes. He knew it. He saw the future. And, And even the people writing this was 111 years ago. It wasn't even a nation yet. When they wrote that, they didn't even understand it then. Oh, that gives me a weird feeling. I like it. And men whose speech you cannot understand will stand between the living and the dead and show the way to life. The chief priests and the Pharisees were deeply moved with anger when they heard this parable and would have seized the Lord and done him harm, but they were sore afraid. They feared the multitude. And Jesus spoke another parable. He said, the kingdom is alike a certain king who made a feast in honor of the marriage of his son. He sent his servants forth to call the people who had been invited to the feast. The servants called, but then the people would not come. And then the king sent other messengers abroad to say, behold, my tables are now spread. My oxen, my fatlings are prepared. The choicest viands and the richest wines are on my boards come to the marriage feast. The people laughed and treated with disdain his call, went their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and others seized the servants of the king, abused them shamefully, and some of them they killed. (sighs) Jesus, did you say this story? Even about the killing? Yeah, he did. He said he did. Like, dude, if you guys were invited to a wedding where it's going to be free food... Would you just, like, kill the person telling you to come to the wedding? It literally, what is wrong? These, is this true? He says, no, it's just a story. <laughs> All right. This is not how people treated those who invited them to a wedding for free food and dancing and merriment, merrymaking. What the hell? He's like, it's just, your stories are dark, dude. <laughs> He says, yeah, he sees that now. Okay, great. As long as you see it now, you could have used my editing back then. I was just a little kid. I wasn't a writer then in that life. Oh, my God. Um, so, and then the king sent forth his soldiery who slew the murderers and burned their towns. Oh, an eye, an eye for an eye. (laughs) And then the king sent other servants forth to them. He said, go to the corners of the streets, partings of the ways and the marts of trade and say, whoever may come to the marriage, whomever will may come up to the marriage feast. The servants went their way and called and lo, the banquet hall was filled with guests. 
Okay, so this is so similar to the story he said before when other people who thought they were too good for the guy didn't show up, and so he got poorer people to show up. This is kind of like a theme, right? (laughs) Anyway, when the king came in to see his guests, he saw a man who had not on a wedding robe, and he called to him and said, I guess this would be like the equivalent of a tuxedo, but 2,000 years ago, men wore dresses called a wedding robe. I guess. (laughs) Okay. All right, not laughing at people's culture. Elena, not laughing at all. Friend, why are you here without a wedding robe? Why would you dishonor thus, my son? The man was dumb. He answered not. (laughs) Nice story, Jesus. (laughs) And then the king said to his guards, Take you this man and bind him hand and foot and cast him out into the darkness of the night, again with the dark turns. The many have been called, but none are chosen to be guests who have not clad themselves in wedding robes. Um, okay. What do I get out of that? Heaven has a dress code? (laughs) What? Jesus is a stickler on what people wear. He was a fashionista. What? I... (laughs) Brother Yeshua is here and he's kind of laughing. And he's like... Well, when you point out those things, you make me sound kind of stupid. I'm not trying to make you sound stupid. I'm just, I'm trying to be funny, but at the same time, I mean, he says it was a big deal back in the day. Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, what did they wear normally if they don't wear wedding? Oh, he said that, like, the the idea was that maybe the guy showed up a little dirty. He He didn't dress up. He wasn't wearing very clean clothes, and... He just showed up like not knowing what would be couth or cool to show up in. And he, and he had what he needed to show up nice, but he chose not to. So basically when you show up at a, at a place with a level of disrespect like that, you will be just cast away. So if you try to show up to heaven, you know, and you're, you're not worthy of it because you're not respecting, you know, the rules and the laws to get to heaven then how the hell you can be allowed in basically that that's like basically the gist of it I'm, i don't mean to make you look stupid but i mean your stories are so dark and they do take a turn and there's a common theme in a lot of them <laughs> okay all right here we go he's like what do you want from me i wasn't a writer i know and he says he wrote some of the stuff kind of like at the last minute on the fly too so he's just trying to get the people to listen and catch on Ugh. all right chapter 155 155 jesus recognizes the justice of, of paying secular taxes he teaches a lesson on family relationships in the life beyond Ooh, i like this this is a good topic all right The greatest of the commandments is comprised in love. He warns his disciples against the hypocrisy of scribes and Pharisees. As Jesus spoke, the Pharisees came up to question him. They thought to criminate him by what he said. A strict 
Herodian spoke and said, My Lord, you are a man of truth. You show the way to God, and you do not regard the personality of men. Tell us, what do you think? Should we, who are the seed of Abraham, pay tribute unto Caesar? Or should we not? And Jesus knew the wickedness of heart and said, Why do you come to tempt me thus? Show me the tribute money that you speak about. The man brought forth a piece of coin on which an image was engraved. And Jesus said, Whose image and whose name is on this coin? The man said, To Caesar's image and his name. And Jesus said, Give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's own, but give to God the things of God. And they who heard him said, He answers well. And then a Sadducee, who was not sad, you see. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, it doesn't say that. <laughs> Sorry. And then a Sadducee, who thinks there is no resurrection of the dead, came up and said, Rabboni, Moses wrote that if a married man shall die and have no child, his widow shall become his brother's wife. Now there were seven brothers and the eldest had a wife. He died and had no child. A brother took his widow for his wife and then he died. And every brother had this woman for his wife. <laughs> well, ain't she the lucky woman? Okay. She's like a community bicycle by this point. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Don't slut shame fake people and fake stories from 2,000 years ago. <sighs> so sorry. <laughs> I, just, I can't help myself. This is kind of, it's kind of comical. All right. And every brother had this woman for his wife in course of time. The woman died. Well, Jesus, after seven husbands, I mean, she would have to, right? Now, which one will have this woman for a wife in the resurrection day? <laughs> or is that the erection day? <laughs> Sorry, resurrection. Like I mean, it's like they put that erection in resurrection. Never mind. I just, it's too late. So late. Until the night. Jesus said, here in this plane of life, men marry just to gratify their selfish selves. Allow myself to introduce myself. Anybody else think of Austin Powers? <laughs> it literally says that just to gratify their selfish selves or to perpetuate the race. But in the world to come and in the resurrection day, men do not take upon themselves the marriage vows. But like the angels and the other sons of God, they form not unions for the pleasure of the self nor to perpetuate the race. <clears throat> Jesus, I'm going to read that again for myself, being an angel. But like the angels and the other sons of God, they form not unions for the pleasure of the self, nor to perpetuate the race. Death, great, mentioning me twice in two sentences. Death does not mean the end of life. No, of course not. The grave is not the goal of men, no more than the earth is a goal of seeds. Life is a consequence of death. The seed may seem to die, but from its grave, the tree arises into life. Right. So man may seem to die, but he lives on. Then from the grave, he springs up into life. 
If you could comprehend the word that Moses spoke about the burning bush that burned and still was not consumed, then you would know that death cannot destroy life. No. And life does not destroy death either. Uh, my archangel husband, he is the archangel of life. I'm the archangel of death. So it's very weird to read all this stuff. It's like, I just keep thinking his face and thinking me and it gets confusing for me personally, but yeah, that's true. I like angels. We don't like, we do have twin flames, but like when I am in union, you know, um, God, please grant this for us. You know, there we go. But when I am in union with my guy, we are going to be together, not just for ourselves. And we may or may not procreate. I doubt it, but we are going to get together so that we can help the earth and the world. That's why we will be together. We will create things in this world that make life a lot better for everybody. Just our, our coming together might bring about the thousand years of peace and happiness. I don't know. Or maybe not. Maybe we'll do nothing. Maybe it will just be our love coming together to, you know, put more love into the world or something. I don't know. Maybe we'll do something big. Maybe we won't. I don't know. It's all up to God. Uh, you know, it's not coming from my ego or something. I don't, I honestly don't know what will happen. I just know who I am and I know who he is. But so I, you know, so yeah, that's true. So if you are an archangel, when you form a union with your twin flame, it's not really for perpetuating the race or pleasure of the self in that situation specifically. It's so strange that Jesus mentions this. Muscle testing says he did. He actually did say all this stuff, by the way. And muscle testing, as I go along, even if I don't mention it. Yeah, I mean, because angels, when we get together on earth, in that um, marriage that God created for us, we do this so that we can form a, God is telling me right now, a grander point of light to reverberate out in all directions to help the world learn and assist the world into lifting up one more rung on the ladder. It's like one more, he's saying of Jacob's ladder, which is like our ascension. It's not just one push. God is telling me right now. It's like, it's like several, it's like runs rungs of a ladder. It's like step up, stepping up. And then, you know, we stay at that plateau for a while. We step up and then there's a plateau for a while. And then we step up and a step up and step up. So um, every time like an archangel um, couple gets together in the union, unify themselves in holy matrimony and union and all that. I mean, they don't have to physically get married. It's just by being together and loving each other. It creates another impetus for the human race to move upward. So when enough archangels meet, we all move up one rung automatically. That's what God's telling me right now. Well, we're not getting far in the book, but boy, we're getting far in our understanding and knowledge. All right. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> okay. I was just like channeling God there for a minute. That was cool. All right. I and my father are one, so he will take over my body a lot and tell you guys stuff. Um...
All right, so let's get down to the Moses part now. And Moses said that God is God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Israel. God is not God of dead men's bones, but of the living man. I tell you, men, man goes down to the grave, but he will rise again and manifest the life. For every life is hid with Christ in God, and man shall live while God shall live. The Pharisees and scribes who heard the Lord exclaimed, He speaks the truth. And they were glad to have the Sadducees discomfited. And then an honest scribe came forth and said to Jesus, Lord, you speak as one whom God has sent, and may I ask, what is the greatest and the first of the commandments of the law? And Jesus said, Oh, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then the greatest of the ten and on them hang the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Psalms are important. They're really cool, actually. It always brought me a great deal of happiness reading them. The scribe replied, My soul gives witness that you speak the truth, for love fulfills the law, and far transcends burnt offerings and sacrifice. And Jesus said to him, Lo, you have solved a mystery. You are within the kingdom, and the kingdom is in you. To his disciples, Jesus spoke, and all the people heard. He said, Beware you of the scribes and Pharisees who pride themselves in wearing long and richly decorated robes. Oh, so he's not a fashionista. (laughs) I mean, okay. I'm just going to just, we're just going to move on. He's like, see, I mean, Jesus obviously is not an egotist. I didn't mean to make him sound as such. I was just teasing him a little bit because he's sitting right here with me when I'm reading it. And love to be saluted in the marketplace and seek the highest seat at feasts and take the hard-earned wages of the poor to satisfy their carnal selves and pray in public long and loud. These are the wolves who clothe themselves to look like sheep. And then he said to all, the scribes and Pharisees are placed by law in Moses' seat, and by the law they may interpret law. So what they bid you do, that do, but do not imitate their deeds. They say the things that Moses taught, they do the things of Beelzebul. Fucking hell, I can't even say this name. Beelzebub is what he means. He means the devil. Like, he's not the devil. This is um, a... God is telling me it's a higher level demon. Has he come back to you? No. Mm -mm. He's still a demon. He's still around. Do not say this word out loud. B-E-E-L-Z-E-B-U-L. They talk of mercy, yet they bind on human shoulders burdens grievous to bear. They talk of helpfulness, yet they put not forth the slightest helpful efforts for their brother man. They make a show of doing things that they do not do anything but show their gaudy robes and broad phylacteries. P-H-Y-L-A-C-T-E-R-I-E-S. Phylacteries. Broad phylacteries? 
What the fuck is that? All right. One of you has to look this up and tell me tomorrow what this means. (laughs) What is a phylactery? I almost don't want to know. It sounds dirty, right? (laughs) Anyway, and they smile when people call them honored masters of the law. They strut about and show their pride when people call them father or so-and-so. Here now, you men, call no man father here. The God of heaven and earth, and he alone uh, is father of the race of men. Christ is the hierarch, the high, the exalted master of the sons of men. If you would be exalted, sit down at the master's feet and serve. He is the greatest man who serves the best. Yep. So basically, I mean, you could call your dad, dad or father, but I think he's meaning like priests, giving that honor and that respect to priests that maybe didn't even earn it, that they go around in their fancy robes, you know, their weird hats and crossing their hands in front of them, acting all high and mighty and holier than thou. That's what he's talking about. Don't worship these guys. Don't call them father because your real father is father in heaven. And, and it's the, uh, the people that are the humble, you know, the masters that are humble that they deserve your respect, but they, they honor, like, you know, when you get to that level, I mean, when you are getting your self up there, up the spiritual ladder, you actually become more humble. You start to realize only God, God and love. That's it. There's nothing more. Chapter 156. The scribes and Pharisees are angered. Jesus rebukes them for their hypocrisy. He laments over Jerusalem, the widow's might. M-I-T-E. Um, is that a little teeny tiny, like eight-legged creature so tiny you can barely see and it's red? A mite. Maybe it means something else. Jesus delivers his farewell address to the people in the temple. The scribes and Pharisees were wild with rage, and Jesus said, Woe unto you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You stand within the way, you block the door, you will not go into the kingdom, and you turn aside the pure in heart who are about to enter in. Woe unto you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You compass sea and land to make one proselyte and when he has been made he is a son of hell just like yourselves <laughs> okay woe unto you who call yourselves the guides of men you are guides blind guides uh, for you pay tithes of cumin mint and dill and to leave undone the weightier matters of the law of judgment, justice, and faith. You filter out the gnats before you drink, but you swallow camels and the like. Okay, that was weird and gross. I don't quite know what he means by that. Swallowing camels. I don't remember that in the Bible. So many jokes, so little time. All right. Woe unto you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean and scour the outside of the cup while it is full of filth, extortion, and excess. 
go to and clean the inside of the cup and then the poisonous fumes will not defile the outside of the cup. Basically, he's saying cleanse yourself from within. Basically, do your damn shadow work is what he's saying. (laughs) And understand, you know, how important it is to just be filled with light and the law and, and follow God and no more other than that. But they're filled with themselves and their own ego, and that's what makes them so, you know, full of filth, extortionate, and excess inside. Go to and clean the inside of the cup, and then the poisonous fumes will not defile the outside of the cup. Woe unto you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are yourselves like whitewashed sepulchers. Your outer garbs are beautiful, but you are full of dead men's bones. Damn, Yeshua, you were like snapping them all over the place, man. You seem to men to be divine, but in your hearts you nourish lust, hypocrisies, and vile iniquities. Woe unto you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you build and then adorn the tombs of holy men of old and say, if we had lived when these men lived, we would have guarded them would not have acted as our fathers did when they maltreated them and put them to the sword. But you are sons of them who slew the holy men and you're not a whit more than just than they. You're not a whit more just than they. Go forth and fill the measure of your fathers who were steeped in crime. You are the offspring of the vipers. And how can you be but serpents of the dust? God now has sent again to you his prophets and seers, his wise men and holy men, and you will scourge them in your synagogues and stone them in the streets and nail them to the cross. Woe unto you, for on your heads will come the blood of all the holy men who have been slain upon the earth. From righteous Abel down to Zacharias, son of Barachias, sorry, Barachias, Barakias, that's it, who is slain within the holy place before the altar of the Lord. Behold, I say that these things shall come upon this nation and the people of Jerusalem. Jesus looked about and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou cruel city of Jerusalem, that slays the prophets in the streets and kills the holy men whom God has sent to you. Lo, I would oft had gathered you as children to the fold of God, but you would not. You have rejected God, and now your house is desolate. And you shall see me not again till you can say, Thrice blessed is the Son of Man who comes as Son of God. Then Jesus went and sat beside the treasury and watched the people as they paid their tithes. The rich men came and gave of their abundance. And then he saw a poor but loyal widow come and put a farthing in the treasure box. And then he said to his disciples who were standing by, Behold, for this poor widow who has put a farthing in the treasury has done more than they all. For she has given all she had. The rich has given just a little share of what they have. A company of Grecian Jews were at the feast. They met Philip, who could talk with them, and said, Sir, we would see the Lord, this Jesus, who is called the Christ. And Philip led the way and brought them to the Christ. 
And Jesus said, The hour has come, the Son of Man is ready to be glorified, and it cannot be otherwise. Except a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die, it can be nothing but a grain of wheat, but if it die, it lives again. And from its grave a hundred grains of wheat arise. My soul is troubled now, what shall I say? And then he cast his eyes to heaven and he said, My father God, I would not ask to be relieved of all the burdens I must bear. I only ask for grace and strength to bear the burdens whatsoever they may be. This is the hour for which I came to earth. O Father, glorify thy name. And then the place was lighted with a light more brilliant than the noonday sun. The people stood aback. They were afraid. And then a voice that seemed to come from heaven said, I have both glorified my name and yours, and I will honor them again. The people heard the voice, and some exclaimed, Behold, a distant thunder. Others said, An angel spoke to him. But Jesus said, This voice was not for me, it was for you, that you might know that I am come from God. Now is the judgment of the world at hand, the prince of darkness shall be manifest and go unto his own. All right, just for a little aside, did I not say earlier this evening, the Prince of Darkness? That is a phrase I don't think I have uttered. Maybe not for eight or nine months, if ever. And if I did utter it is because I said it in relation to Sabrina, the teenage witch. <laughs> I mean, this is so weird. I just keep coming across phrases and ideas and I just, I will explain it more tomorrow, but man, the same ideas keep coming up over and over and over and over again. And it's just too bizarre. So now is the judgment of the world at hand. The prince of darkness shall be manifest and go unto his own. The son of man will now be lifted up from earth and he will draw all men unto himself. The people said the law declares that Christ abides forevermore. How can you say the son of man will now be lifted up? Who's the son of man? And Jesus said to them, the light is shining now. Walk in the light while you still have the light. The darkness comes, but he who walks in darkness cannot find the way. Again, I say, walk in the light while you still have the light, that men may know that you are the sons of light. And Jesus stood out in the temple porch and made his last appeal unto the multitudes. He said, He who believes in me believes in God, who sent me forth to do his will. And he who sees me now beholds my Father God. Behold, I came a light unto the world. He who believes in me shall walk in light, the light of life. You men who hear me now, if you believe me not, I judge you not. I am not come to judge the world, but I am come to save the world. God is the only judge of men. Okay, Jesus, did you say that? Okay, all this is true? Okay, good. Yes, yes, yes. I'm come to save the world. God is the only judge of men. But what I speak will stand against you in the day when God will judge the world. That's true. For from myself I do not speak. 
I speak the words that God has given me to speak. And then he said, Jerusalem, with all your glory and your crimes, farewell. You know what I think about when I hear this, these words, and that's the end of the chapter, by the way. Remember when he cursed the fig tree, did he not accidentally, maybe not, maybe unintentionally, with the power of Christ inside him, the power of God inside him, did he or did he not curse the city of Jerusalem? And 2,000 years later, they're still fighting there. I don't know. I'm just asking. Trying to figure it out. So yeah, all right, this is it. Um, We're going to start next week with chapter 157. I don't know how many chapters are, but um, we'll we'll figure it out soon. So yeah, basically, this is it. I'm in the process of getting the devil himself to go with his lighter nature and not be in his evil self. He has not been in touch with his evil side for a very long time. He came to me four years ago and said, I'm ready. He said, sister, let's do this. I'm ready. I'm ready to go back to God. I said, okay, let's go. And back then, four years ago, I told God he's ready. He's ready to go back to the celestial kingdom and go back to God and let all be forgiven because the ultimate prodigal son is the devil himself. When he goes back into the light and walks among the light, the light of life, the life of light, um, then all is forgiven and all the angels can rejoice and the demons can turn into archangels again and we can all go back into unity consciousness it's the end of the schematic and right before I plunged my sword into the earth and started the apocalypse in Armageddon and the uh, well the forthcoming ascension I mean it's been a while fucking four years hasn't it <laughs> I was just talking to the devil about it tonight And he's like, maybe I should be evil again. Maybe that's the imbalance in this world. I said, no. It's unity consciousness, brothers. Stay with the light. He is Lucifer, after all, the light bringer. I need to remind him of that. I know this sounds really, really wild. It's wild to me, but this is cosmic shit I'm dealing with that we're all dealing with. So for you, as my dear listener, what can you do for your part of it? You don't have to worry about the stuff I'm worried about. What you need to worry about is walking in the light, doing the right, walking with love and humility, being humble, love God with your whole heart, mind, body, and soul, and love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, love everybody, forgive everybody. Or at least just accept everybody. And let God sort out the rest. That's it. Remember the Ten Commandments to keep them holy. And remember your father and mother. Respect your mother and father. That means your mother God and father God in heaven. 
that's your only father. You're your only mother. Your earthly father and mother, yeah, you can respect them too, but and honor them too. But if they don't respect and honor you, then love them from afar, forgive them, accept them, but don't have to invite them over to your house for Thanksgiving when you're an adult. You know, <laughs> don't panic unless you want to. But um, anyway, that's it for now. I I gotta go. I'm very very tired. Um, I love each and every one of you. Just remember to love yourself. That's it. That's a big thing. Love God. Love God with your whole heart, mind, body, and soul. Always walk in the path of the light. Pray for your enemies. Love your enemies as yourself, right? Love yourself as, you know, your neighbors as yourself. (laughs) But you don't have to invite them over. Or address or talk to them. Like I said earlier, you could pray for the devil, but just don't invite him in. You know, if you don't want to, don't. And, and, and I mean, for me, I know him personally, but you don't have to and don't. Just, don't. Just ask God to bless him. Ask God to bless everybody. Ask God to bless all the people who are sleeping spiritually. The devil himself, he's not asleep spiritually. He's actually probably more self-aware than the rest of us. Imagine being the hate, most hated being in the universe. And now he's trying to do right. Because we're all headed towards a unity. Take this how you will, as a story or a metaphor or a reality. Whatever's most comfortable for you. For me, it is my reality, but hey. Anyway, I love all of you. I'll be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. Until then, though, I am signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Until next time, guys, peace. Hey, guys, I've been making episodes of Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, for a while now, and many of you have contacted me wondering just how you can support me and my podcast. Well, I have two solutions for this question. Number one is to become a listener supporter in which you go to the Anchor app, locate my channel, and sign up anywhere from 99 cents to $9.99 monthly, and you can stop anytime. Or number two is to make a one-time donation of any amount via Zelle, bank to bank, or through PayPal using my email, mermaidgirl888 at gmail.com, also located in the show description. Now with this option, you aren't uh, obligated monthly in any way, and you're also not limited. Thank you all so much in advance for your support. Let's keep Metaphysical Soul Speak on the air and onward and upward to the fifth dimension together, guys. Thank you.